so so this week obviously we have the holdout from last which is discovery season three and uh, yep. miss juneteenth which i actually did i finally actually managed to watch so i still haven't seen it <laughs> yeah yeah it's so then we have penguin bloom and so we have penguin bloom and sean you said fractured and the cage yeah, and the cage film primal. Uh, okay. I just, I've been ba- basically what it's been is I watched them. You know, I was saying I was in. I mean, I I got in quite late, and I was looking for. Um, I thought I have seen stuff. I have seen stuff. But when I I, I did you before I set off home, I send the yeah, first yeah, yeah. before I cut home, and then I suddenly remembered, obviously, and I just thought, oh yeah, primal, because I I watched that with Dan, and he said, oh, you reminded me, remind uh, you told me to remind you we watched that film. <laughs> Uh, not not primal, sorry, the other one, Fractured. fractured so we watched Fractured. Yeah. But whereas I've been, like, the weekend, sometimes there's certain films that when you start watching, when I was talking about the re-watching, you just have to watch them again. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You, I, yeah. I did, you know, it started off, I saw Lord of the Rings. I thought, oh, well, I'll watch, i just as well carry on watching that. Fury, I watched Fury again. And um, so, do you know what I mean? You just They're just on and you have to, there's, there's certain films, it's like Zulu or The Great Escape or... You for, can't help it. You just for have me, to. For me, sound of music. Sound of music. Yeah. Sound of music. I, I, yeah, let it go. Yeah, it's kind of one of those things. I have to avoid. If if I have anything to do, I have to avoid catching sound <laughs> of music on TV. Yeah. Because you know that once you start one bit, you just be like, huh. and then three hours later. You know, I mean, I I think I've. It's really really strange because I'm getting a bit. I think it because I don't know if it's lack of cinema, but I'm not so invested. But I did see the new trailer for. Kong vs Godzilla, and I thought I am not going to watch that on the streaming <laughs> thing. I'm going to wait till it comes out of the cinema. Oh, okay, 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 oh, cool. I get you. I get you. I thought you were. Good. I thought you were saying that. Oh no, that's just that's not even going to do anything. That's. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say that 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 wasn't going to that wasn't going to hit the spot for you. You're just going to avoid that film. No, no, no. I'm just going to wait till it comes on the cinema because I think they're they're releasing it apparently in May. Is it May or sometime? Anyway, they're releasing it in May, I think. But they're releasing it on HBO. Something HBO Max in the States. I don't know where oh, it's going to come out over here. So they, they want to release it in the cinema at the same time, but I can't see the cinemas being open myself. Mm, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think no. so. But anyway, welcome to Netflix vs. Cinema. We have already started. <laughs> we, uh-huh. have, we have already started. I can imagine that in the edit, you would just have come in halfway through a conversation. It might have been, I don't know, about Black Eyes or something. But <laughs> <laughs> but welcome to Netflix vs. Cinema. The podcast that tries to do what it says on the tin but just as we've just been saying there are no cinemas so what we're doing is we're just talking netflix stuff we're talking things that we've been watching on tv through the lockdown and i think that there's a little bit of a there's a little bit of a study almost of how our viewing habits have changed from watching cinema watching things in cinema to watching things on tv my name is tosin i am the host i am up in the bromsgrove in the midlands joining me as ever on the isle of Wight are sharon hello and sean Hiya. Yes, now, okay, we've already kicked off on some of this stuff, but today we were going to talk mostly about two new Star Wars. No, not Star Wars. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Sharon, can you hear that? Uh-oh. Oh, no. Uh-oh. Oh, no. I can feel <laughs> oh, them coming dear. for me. I can feel them coming <laughs> for me. I mean, I mean, sorry, Star Trek. Star Trek shows. That too. light outside of those people with torches and pitchforks. Yeah, pitchforks coming around to my house. Oh, no, not again. <laughs> um. Yes, Star Trek, two new Star Trek TV shows, which is, we're going to talk about Discovery Season 3, and we're going to talk about Lower Decks. We are also going to talk about uh, um, Miss Juneteenth, which is a film that Sean has been has been keeping on the back burner until I could actually find... I've got, a, I've got an annoying story to tell you about watching Miss Juneteenth. Right. <laughs> that Sean has been keeping back to, until I could actually watch something to... Until I could watch it to talk about. And also, Sean was talking about... Well... Because you you've you haven't really had the best of watching things, have you? Recently, because you Not, it's 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 hard to get invested. It is hard to get invested, and and like some of the things. Well, I mean, if if I'm going to talk about them later, some of the things are just not like ugh, you know. So yeah, well, okay, so. The, the, okay. Talking about some of the things that are a bit. Ugh, let's kick off <laughs> with okay. a film that I'm going to come straight out of the gates and say I have no real hope for. So, so you saw a Nicolas Cage movie called Primal. Now, okay, okay, yes, yeah, okay. Your face and your snigger tells says everything and confirms all my fears. Now, after we spoke, I think two weeks ago, we spoke about Nick Cage in the history of swear words. We did, we did, yeah. Looking like he was finally having fun. I'm guessing that this is a film that comes from his 
his straight to straight to DVD hell period. <laughs> yeah, 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 pretty much. It's um, yeah. So, well, what what can I say really? Um, it's, he's this big game hunter, and he's 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 in South America, and he's captured some exotic animals. And he's captured this this uh, special white jaguar thing, and he's going to ship them over. But but on the container ship, there's also some U.S. marshals, and they're shipping over a, a like a uh, a criminal assassin guy that they want for trial and all that. And of course, you know, what what happens? The the criminal escapes, lets all the animals free. So... What? No! <laughs> no way! <laughs> no way! So anyway, I thought, oh, well, I, I, I mean, this was early on and uh, this was sort of a few, few days ago and I'm like, right, okay, okay, I'm going to watch this, I'm going to watch this. And I think it... it <laughs> yeah, I know. Anyway, I think it could have been good, but Oh, toes in <laughs> this one. You know, I was talking about my two or five minute spoiler rants. I could probably do a 10 minute one on this. I really, really could. It's the most <laughs> awful. It's, it's absolutely, absolutely nonsense. You know, it's like, you know, you've got loads and loads of weapons there. You've got like the poison darts. And so I won't say what happens, but you could imagine, you know, like the, the blowpipes and things. And got yep. all these, you've got all these snakes and monkeys and things running around and you know and as i say the killer or the assassin is obviously he's escaped wrecking havoc you know but you've got you've got this little subplot with this doctor who's supposed to be looking after the the, the assassin because he's not allowed to fly because he's he's got some sort of disease that if he flies he, he dies so, yeah 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 movie this, movie reasons reasons yeah just reasons so <laughs> yeah and it's i mean i could imagine that's I don't know. This this goes in the the Fast and Furious. Um, oh. <laughs> um, so yeah, just so it, so far it sounds like someone has tried to take Jurassic Park, put it on a boat, snakes on a plane, put it on a boat. Boat. <laughs> yeah, 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 yes. Yeah, all their memes and and silly things with like you know when when people do get killed or people do people just do silly silly stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> silly silly. Why? I'm I'm like there. I'm going. I'm not like because I haven't got like anybody to show off to, but I'm like, oh, what, what, why would, why would you do that? Oh no, come on, come on! So I watched it for really. I should enjoy those, shouldn't I? Because I should be like, oh, come on, yeah, what load of. So yeah, it was, um, it was, it was. Well, I suppose being Nick Cage, I mean, I know he gets a bad press, but he deserves it. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think I think because uh, have you guys ever seen the TV show Community? Um, I've, yeah. uh, people have spoken about it, but I've never seen it. So Community. So there's one of these things where they they have a course called Nicolas Cage, good or bad, and there's a whole episode where they try to figure out whether Nicolas Cage is a good actor or a bad actor based on his <laughs> filmography. And I think that there's actually a study to be done. So so in this, you know, he says he get a, he gets a, he gets a bad rap. Does he look like he's even bothered in this film? He doesn't look bothered at all. Yeah. He doesn't look... He's just going through the motions, going through the numbers, you know. Yeah. Just doing it by the numbers in that. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's quite funny. Quite quite uh, funny. Yeah, uh, Almost a comedy, I think. Almost a comedy. Well, I, I, I feel like there, there is some sort of perverse pleasure to be had from watching those sort of direct-to-video Nicolas Cage movies. So <laughs> yeah. are, are you even going to bother rating this film? I will, I will give it a rating because as I th- think back on it now, I mean, the film's awful. It is really, really, really <laughs> terrible. But... I suppose for me, for, 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 I mean, if I was going to say, uh, I don't know, I, I mean, I'd give it a two star just because it's, it's, you know, I feel like being too mean and I do normally, I don't mind Nicolas Cage films. I don't mind his car ones. Like I think it was drive angry and, but this was, this was pretty awful, but I'm going to give it two stars because I stayed to the end. I watched it out to the end, even though I could have said, no, I'm not going to do it. But so I was sort of compelled to see how bad it was. So, I think for keeping me entertained with nonsense, I'm going to have to give it a two star. <laughs> All right. Good stuff. So two stars. We kicked off with Nick's ca- Nick Cage on Primer. <laughs> and we'll get over to the, another, the other film that your, the, your housemate landlord, Dan, who, 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 is, who likes like everything we post on Facebook. So th- thank you to Dan for us. <laughs> he okay. like, he okay. likes all the little snippets of discussion. I put up the discussion about Leo Sayer 
that we had <laughs> like off air last week. <laughs> I put that up on Facebook earlier today. Dan's liked it already. So thank, say thank you to Dan. Yeah, I mean, actually, I wondered why. I wondered why. I mean, I've seen that, but I wondered why you said to me, said, oh, what did Leo Sayer do then? And all that. And he's talked to me. So I had to put some stuff on. I thought, that's random. Where did that come from? And now I know. Now I know. Oh, right. Because he didn't say he'd seen it. He just said, so... So what what did Leo Sayer do? You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So so Dan Gusta, you are a type of man. So <laughs> uh, okay, now let's move on to Sharon. So Sharon, we have Star Trek on the first of the Star Trek shows we're going to talk about today, Star Trek Discovery season three. Now, um, when you put this up, you said, "Yeah, I finally." I think at the end of last week's episode, we actually even spoke a little bit about the fact that you were like, "Yeah, I finally, I finally got myself together and binge all the last four episodes." So do yeah. you want to, so for what I remember, you told I've recently watched finished watching season two, mostly on your recommendation, uh, where you said you, you were talking about the Red Angel and how it was all good, and I think you really enjoyed season two and Captain Pike and Spock yeah. showing up and everything. So season three, tell us, um, tell us what it's about, how how the story goes on, and why you ended up having to force yourself to binge watch the four, last four episodes. Yeah, well, season. Three. A quick recap is um, that Star Trek Discovery is like using um, a prototype. It's a prototype. It's a a Starfleet vessel that has a that has found a new means of propulsion. It's called a spore drive, and it's unlike any other ship in Starfleet. And then, but it's set before the original series. Mm. It starts off, and when we watch it, you go, "Well, how does that work out then? How could they suddenly have all this advanced technology, and yet?" <laughs> The Star Trek that we know has is is, is sort of has regressed. Technology yeah. doesn't generally regress. Yeah. And then they explain all that, and they explain how that Spock had a sister, and they explain how all this, how certain technologies were, became banned. So they, they they create this story, then they create a a, a, a reason why this story no, doesn't yeah. exist. Why you haven't heard why, this story how before? It, how it can happen? Um, basically, because a lot of this technology has been developed and it becomes dangerous very quickly and it imperils the, the universe as we know it yeah obviously and so they they suppress everything about the discovery and one of the things that the crew decide is that because the red angel and the, the events that happened there uh, they have an opportunity to go into the future so so and yeah so, I, I think I, I think at the moment it's pretty much impossible to talk about season three of this show Without, in part, spoiling season two. Yeah, <laughs> it's you a, can't get there. It's impossible, so we're going to try we're going to try and keep the spoilers to the absolute minimum. But it's impossible. Yeah, <laughs> but it's impossible. But I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be restrained in, in the details. Uh, so at the end of the Red Angel, it turn, transpires was from the future. Yeah, and so they use a technology that brought the Red Angel to the past to take them into the future. And so the Discovery and Michael Burnham, who is our main protagonist, mm-hmm. she's in her Red Angel suit. And so they ping into the future by about 950 plus years, uh, basically about a thousand years. Yeah. And the, the universe, as we recognize it, has changed. It's no longer the world of the Federation. An event happened that has changed the way they approach technology and has, and that it changed Starfleet and it changed the, the alliances of planets that have been the basis of all the, the previous incarnations. Yeah. And as the story progresses, we understand what happened and then as you get to the end of the series, you understand why it happened. And so it, there's, sort of, there's the adventure of the week, but it all adds up to the ultimate you know, denouement or the the revelation about, okay, this is what actually has happened. All right, so with this, I've seen about the first five episodes of season three. And and to begin with, I'm actually quite, I quite enjoyed the thing at the beginning because the fact that they took it into the future has broken this away from the usual Star Trek formula in that, in, in the fact that they're not top of the, all of a sudden, something that was cutting edge technology, all of a sudden, Everybody else has technology that's better than them. They're all displaced. They don't really know what they're supposed to be doing. It's almost a bit like, it's it's uh, I guess a bit like Voyager, but this is a bit more like they even the the code of the Federation that's supposed to keep them together is under serious threat because that might not even exist anymore a thousand years in the future. So the first couple of episodes, I was like, this is actually quite good. But so for you, as you carried on, what happened? Uh, wh- how did the feeling go in the rest of the season? 
yeah, to me, it, it began began to flag a bit. I don't know. I can't put my finger on why I so I sort of because it's on Netflix. They, every now and then they sort of drop a whole series on you. Yeah. But they occasionally they do release one a week. Yeah. In a, a traditional format where you know every on a certain day of the week they release the new episode. And so Voyager was not Voyager. Discovery was was released every Friday. Yeah. And it used to be that you know every Friday me and my brother would sit down when he'd come in from work and we would watch it. And then, I don't know, we got to the point where neither of us fancied watching it one week. We just thought, oh, no, should we not bother this week? And then I think it got to be like four or five. And then I suddenly thought, oh, I haven't seen four Discovery for four or five weeks. Yes. And, and I thought, it must be near the end of the season. So I counted up how many previous episodes there have been. I thought, oh, yeah, well, there's only, you know, this is it. It's the end of the season. So I could probably get those watched. Yeah. But I think it, it lost me a little bit in that I, quasn't, I wasn't quite sure what it was trying to do. Mm whether it was trying to recreate the world of Star Trek's gone by or whether it was trying to do something different. And I think they didn't do one or the other, for me, entirely successfully. Yeah. In trying to sort of like hark back to your the familiar Star Trek, I thought, well, no, no you're missing an opportunity. Mm. And, but then they, they held enough of this sort of remnants onto it to make me think, well, you're not being bold enough. So they either were like not... It was, yeah, it was to hard. me, it didn't quite work. And yeah. to be honest with you, even after three series, I know Captain Burnham, I know Tilly, I know Saru, but I could not name any of the other crew. I mean, it's been three seasons, and I should know who the ooh, deck crew are. Ooh, Detmer. And I don't. De- Detmer. Detmer's the pilot. Oisha Kung is the one who sits beside her. I, I, I noticed her because I had the top titles on once and she has a Yoruba name, which is my tribe. And I'm like, oh, look at you, Star oh, okay. Trek, with your representation. Yeah. And yeah, then 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 it kind of slows down. But you see the same faces <laughs> they... every week, but they none of them none of them stand out. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You could immediately go through like old oh, Zulu and you've got Scotty yeah. in the bed. But even the ones who have a personality, I find them very bit forgettable. Does, um, does there any, uh, is there any lackeys that get killed? Like the the ones that wear oh, the, the red shirt. The, no. but yeah, the red shirts are ones that are, the ones that always you think yeah they go off on missions. Well, they never return. <laughs> There's always a couple where there. It's a, quite a different setup. They right. don't tend to have the away party mm. because right. every time they, in the old Trek, whenever there was an away <laughs> party, if you didn't recognise them, they were cannon fodder. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. So in this one, they do kill off some of the big name players every now and then and I think it's because the actor wants to move on rather than they do it for a dramatic <laughs> purpose because sometimes I think oh yeah they obviously wanted to do something else <laughs> <laughs> I don't <laughs> and you don't feel that sort of like oh no they've gone because to me they've all been a little bit forgettable yeah. oh, what, the, I think because it's changed so much each season has a completely different look Yeah. I don't feel that I've got to invest in any of the particular characters. Arium. Even Mark Burnham to some degree. Arium. There's one character called Arium. Who they Arium. Yeah, because um oh Is uh, she the one who used to have that, that the the breathing thing on her face? Oh no 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 that was ooh. Her name's Non or Non or something like that. The one with the breathing things on her face. But uh, the the uh, Arium was the android, the one who had most of who who crashed and then oh. had most of yeah, was pretty much a robot. Yes. Yeah, yeah, she she's the one, and I I actually thought that one of the best things that they did because I agree with you, they don't really give a lot of people a backstory, but they had one episode where in one episode you got to get her entire backstory, and I found that it was actually really really effective in making you care for that one character in a very yeah. short space of time. But it's but yeah, the uh, like like Sean to talk, you know when they usually when they would send Kirk down with like a couple of red shirts around him as that's sort of human yeah. shield. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> the, the, uh, in in Discovery, it seems that whenever they go down, they always send an important person and a very very sm- and a much smaller group of people will go down there. So you kind of know well they have plot armor. They they're not gonna die. So, <laughs> so, so yeah. So yeah. So I think because it yeah to me it. Some, some, somehow it just doesn't quite gel for me personally. I think I really rated the second season. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I agree, I was, with you. I agree with you I, on that. Yeah. I really liked the beginning of this one, but then for me it just sort of went. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. So it did pick up a little bit at the end, but uh, um, yeah, I'm not entirely convinced that it's got legs. To be honest with you. Mm. Uh, so, how many stars did you give it? 
I give it three. I think if you are invested in the the Trekiverse, and you know I've watched nearly every incarnation of it since, you know they played the repeats of the original series on the television in the seventies. So I have watched more or less all of them. Yeah. Can't say I've seen every single episode of everything, but I've been interested in all of them. So I'd give it a three. But to me, it's probably not the best. You well, know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. I, I, I think it's, I haven't seen much Trek, but I know there was a point. I think probably around about the beginning of season three when I went when I said I actually texted a friend of mine, Yatish, who we've interviewed on the show, and he he's yeah. quite he's going to Star Trek, and I was like, I think okay, I think Discovery is my favorite version of Star Trek, and the but I think I've hit the point where but I think it's beginning to flag. I'm like, what are you doing with this? Where are you going with this? Yeah, you had where some, is it really going? Yeah. You had some promise, and you you seem to be veering away from it. So, so going from uh, a, a Star Trek that is trying to do something a little bit different, but maybe not quite managing it, to a Star Trek that isn't trying to do something different at all, which is Star Trek Lower Decks. Well, it's it, and the whole idea of the title tells you what it's about. It's not about the bridge crew. This is not about the bridge crew. This is this is about the guys who sit at the bottom, very, very, very bottom of the starship. They're like they they essentially live beside the engines. <laughs> That's what these guys are. And it's it's animated. It's half an hour. But so imagine imagine if you had a a self-aware Star Trek series that was half an hour and and was comedic as opposed to being dramatic, and that's what you'll get. So they they still do go on all these missions, but they you know how they talk about first contact in Star Trek? It's a big thing. The first time you meet a new race, yeah. and they say they they're on a ship called the USS Cerritos. And they say, yeah, we, we, it's like, you know, well, first contact and all that amazing, wonderful stuff. Well, that's not us. We're the second contact crew. <laughs> <laughs> We're essentially the admin. We go in there after you've made new, are we? And so they have nods to all the other different versions of Star Trek. Some of them, which I get, and I'm sure there's quite a few in there that I just do not get. They have this whole thing about a, a planet that Kirk went to where they have a computer called Vondru or no Landru. Uh, which I think is from the original series, and uh, they even make the they they make references to Kirk and Picard. Riker shows up at one point, so this is set shortly after the Next Generation, I believe. But it is the the main thing about it is that they are trying to be funny. That their their aim is to be funny. It's a bit like there's bits of it that are a bit like Family Guy set in the Star Trek universe almost. <laughs> And it's and I actually quite liked it. I mean, I burned through these. I I burned through these like in no time because they're only half an hour. You can finish them off in a day. <laughs> you can finish them off in a day. And I think for something that that plays with the Star Trek thing, makes fun of the Star Trek thing. It has its own storyline as well about somebody who is one of the most demoted, one of the most demoted people in Starfleet history because she can't handle doing things the start the starfleet way she's like no 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 uh, the, we've got to help people and all that so i think lower decks is worth it i think it's it's actually quite funny it's not trying to do anything too big it's just trying to be like, almost like a comedic take on star trek that points out some of the silly things about star trek like there's things where people have transporter accidents where they get stuck into in between two phases and all that kind of stuff <laughs> and so so i would i would recommend it i think star, i think lower decks is actually is good fun it is it's a high three i would give lower decks a high three um okay. no no not quite a four because i don't think it's massively anything groundbreaking and for all the bits where it does where it's making fun of star trek it is still in essence a star trek show it has the sort of same same arcs, the same going down to the landing parties, the same oh we're going to get to the end of the season and there's going to be this big climatic battle, and uh, but it does it does make fun of some Star Trek tropes like how <laughs> okay there there's a whole thing involving a holodeck where they do a they do a Star Trek lower decks movie and they always talk about the fact that how why is it that whenever you do a star trek movie the ship always gets destroyed and then gets rebuilt by the next movie and it's all nice and it's shiny <laughs> and they 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 do a lot of stuff of ripping it out of star trek which uh i actually quite like but i think it's a high three for me so that's what amazon prime is it, is yeah. it sanctioned by the star trek universe because it uses the name oh yeah, yeah and yeah. it obviously is real characters so it's obviously yeah, it's it, like it, sanctioned by the star trek it, it's it official. Has. It's official. It it even has a Roddenberry. There's even the a Roddenberry Ooh. is listed in the credits. <laughs> I think it's Eugene the Roddenberry. Proper stamp. 
yeah. So, so it has like the proper stamp of yes, the, we we sanction this, we we agree with this. It's not like mm-hmm. robot chicken or something like that, but it's no. uh, <laughs> it's not like it's not like that. But it is it 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 is out there, and it is as it is pretty much like Family Guy in the Star Trek universe. That's it, it, it is pretty much like that. Right. So let us move forward, and Sean, let's see what else you have for us. Oh, shall we talk some? Miss Juneteenth. Miss Juneteenth. Yeah, oh. yeah. Let's talk. Let's let's talk Miss Juneteenth. So, oh. I don't know if you you you'd probably be able to give a brief oh. synopsis of the story more than me, and then. Well, well, the the thing about it is, okay. It, first of all, when you hear Juneteenth, Juneteenth is what has become it's become more and more of a thing in America because mm-hmm. it refers to June nineteenth, and it was the fact it refers to the fact that when, um. When slavery stopped in America, when they signed, I, can't, I think it was the Emancipation, emancipation Proclamation, proclamation yes, that, that right. Lincoln, Lincoln signed, that Texas was the last state. Texas was the last state to say no, uh, um, that, to actually accept the Emancipation Pro- Proclamation. And they did it on June 19th. So amongst black Americans, June 19th is seen as their Independence Day. And they're like, Look, we have a holiday for Independence Day. We have a holiday for all these different things. Why is June nineteenth not a not a public holiday? Because this is a big, massive moment in our history. So it's a day that has a whole bunch of things around it. Because for Black Americans, they see it as another state state of trying to sweep the history of what happened to us under the carpet by not acknowledging this day. So when you hear the, when you hear the film's called Miss Juneteenth, you know there's going to be something around this. So that so. That's that was what the the but when it comes to the basis yeah well, that's the basis what the basis but the film itself is based really around a real life pageant that exists called Miss Juneteenth which is all about um, finding young black women doing a beauty pageant for young black women and the winner gets a full scholarship to a historically black college or university in America which is something that you don't really have anywhere else in the world <laughs> because I remember the once I went to a conference in America and they're talking about HBCUs and I was like what the hell's an HBCU and the historically black college and university I was like what and they're like yeah yeah there's some there's a because of segregation there are some universities that historically were where the black people went and so it's now going to the point where there's a lot of um, black people want to go to these universities because they feel that is a place where we can actually connect with our culture. But anyway, Sean, you saw this film. What I did, did th- yes. What did you think about it? And why was and you you were you said you were really really keen to know what I thought about it. But let's go with you first. Yeah. Well, I I mean, I was really really engrossed in this film. I thought it was was an excellent portrayal of of. You, you know, it was it was really interesting for me because you don't really, you know, I knew nothing about about this Miss Juneteenth, and and obviously looking about it, and like Texas was the last, so there's a, there's a lot of history there, but yeah. also it was it was really so you had the history thing, but this was really it was really really entertaining, and it was a real insight into a sort of community, you know, because yeah, there there, there were and there's just. The characters, all the different characters, you know, like like the husband and the the guy who owns a funeral the, the place funeral probably, and all yeah. that. And it's just, it was just like totally, totally normal life, and yeah. you, you know, the mother's aspiration. And I think Tozin, I think it was so well acted. I think it was absolutely, absolutely brilliant. The, the acting, for me, I was just convinced by the whole thing, and I thought, yeah, that's that that is a whole picture of of you know a, a, a certain community, how it's lived, all the. And yeah, no, it's great. It's really, really, I, I, I thought it was fantastic. I, I totally, totally enjoyed. It. That's why I wanted to talk about it because it was just so engrossing. Because it was something, you know, when you see things, and you think, uh, I mean, I, I saw it really probably by accident. You know, I was just yeah. looking for something to watch, and and I put it on. And I thought, oh, this looks interesting, and it, it really, really was. And it had me, it had me engrossed. And um, who's the actress who played the daughter? Who's the actress that actually was in the Ghost, uh, the... Ghost of the Pageant? The, the the actress who played the daughter is called Alexis Chikaeze. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely brilliant. And um, you know, like trying to get the money, trying to get the the, the money for the, all the different. Yeah. You know what I mean? Trying yeah. to get and and that's what that that is what that is what ambitious mothers do. You know what I mean? Mm. And trying all the different things. And it's and it's tough and it's hard work and it's just. But yeah, no, great. I I, I thought this was terrific. So yeah. that's why I was interested to see what you think because you might you might totally shock me. No, 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 no. no. So no. so the, the 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 because the basic story is about a woman who 
won the Miss Juneteenth pageant as a teenager herself. And she now has a daughter. She's grown up. She has a daughter. And she wants her daughter to win the pageant because she, I think she feels that she won the pageant and she didn't make the most with the opportunities that she got from winning the pageant. So it's implied that she got pregnant quite young. Quite young, yeah. Yeah, she got pregnant quite young. So the, I figured it out that she won the, she won the um, pageant 15 years before the events of this film took place. And she now has a 15-year-old daughter. So, so you do the math and you figure out what happened. So she feels like she didn't do enough. So she she wants to her daughter to win this pageant because if her daughter wins this pageant, then she can have all these opportunities that and she can do something better with them. And you, you have this you you get a real sense of this living from hand to mouth existence. The fact she has two jobs, she works at the bar, but she also works in a funeral parlor. And it's how the father of her child is somebody who she's married to but are they actually still together or not but there's another guy who's on the scene who might be better for her because he's more stable and and so you have all these options that she's sort of like juggling all around this whole idea of and but the film keeps alluding that this takes place in the in a society of black people in texas who are still trying to figure out a way of making their own way like there's the guy who owns the bar he talks about the fact he talks about the fact that oh the, the white folk downtown keep offering money to take this land off my hands, but this is mine. And it's the fact that I own something and owning something and making something of what you own is a theme that runs throughout the film. It's like, what does it mean to actually own something? And that spoke to me as somebody who's just finally actually got a house and is no longer just paying rent, but actually paying something towards a pot of money that might do something for me in the future. <laughs> that, 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 that spoke to me. So I agree with you. I think it's really, really well acted. I think Nicole Behari, who plays the mother, the, mm-hmm. She plays Tur- yeah. Turquoise, Nicole Behari. Turquoise. And the whole film, I think, rises and falls on her face. Because, yeah, the whole, she, it's it's all about, it's like almost everything, whether some, because when you think about it, the fact that it is a pageant, once you have something set around a pageant, it has a real tendency to become stupid. And whether it means something or what it means to her, how she can put all her hopes in it, all rises and falls on her face and she sells it. But and, I, yeah, sorry, sorry. Go ahead, Sean. So, so, sorry, yeah, yeah. No, I was just going to say what I think was really good as well is all the previous winners. Like, yes. you got there, there you got the gaggle of, you know what I mean? The, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the older ladies that uh, you know, like big, and uh, it, I mean it, that it, part it, it as well. A, you can it imagine, get, you know, it, it gets a bit mean, girls. It does, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it does, but I mean, it, all, it, what I mean is this: it's convincing. It's not like silly or, or yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? It's not. I, I, it's one yeah. of those slice of life films. I mean, slice some, of life. Yeah. Yeah. Some people might complain that not much happens, and yeah, it's all about the tiny minutiae, almost petty things that mean a lot, and the importance mm-hmm. that these people have put on these tiny things. Where she has a lot of importance on it, her, her daughter doesn't really have much on it, and I think thematically, it's a bit similar. Sharon, if you remember the film Dumpling. Yes, I was thinking of Dumpling actually when you were talking about it. About yeah. how the mum had won, and then it had different resonations with it. But you know how it, yeah, yeah, how but... the mothers bring their own baggage to the the pageant in some ways. Exactly, the daughters either inherit, they either embrace it, or they in some ways they have to resist this yeah. sort of legacy. Yeah, so, so so they have that they have that bit in there, but obviously with them, it's kind of like because as a slice of life, they they point out the fact that turquoise is finding it very, like, whatever she's trying to do, she's finding it very, very difficult to break out of the life that she's in. She's finding it very difficult to find a, a new way out. So the whole idea is that the, the stakes here are, this is a way out of this sort of quagmire that we found ourselves in. And that's, and, the, and I think they sell it, I think it's actually really, really good. I would give the film a four out of five. I would give it a four out of five as well. I would, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I was really surprised. I think, as I say, for all those massive, like, huge, big blockbustery budget sometimes a film like this which is a slice of life yeah. you know is is um i i think you know is so yeah so i, I definitely a four star i mean i thought it was i thought it was a good film and as i say i think i think the acting was first class by all you know all right cool right so that was miss juneteenth a bit of a hidden gem and i told you sean i was going to tell you a, a an annoying story with watching this so i know obviously yeah. you said that you'd seen miss juneteenth so I was like, okay, Sean saw it. So that means, uh, and I don't think Sean paid to see this. So it means it must have been on like Netflix or it must have been on Amazon Prime. Or 
And I spent two weeks searching for this thing on Netflix. Couldn't find it on Netflix. Couldn't find it on Amazon Prime. Well, Amazon Prime, it said, yeah, you can you can find it if you pay three ninety nine. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. And I searched all over. Oh, let's see, what else did I have? Okay, Disney Plus. I didn't expect it to be on Disney Plus. And I searched all the different things that I have access to, and I couldn't find it. And I, and eventually, I was like, oh, rubbish. Uh, no, Sean's been watching for two, waiting for two weeks to watch this thing. I, I should actually just. Fine, I'll pay the three ninety nine. I can't believe it. It 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 cuts me deep in my heart, but I'll pay three ninety nine. So I paid three ninety nine, and then my brother got in touch with me, and he was like, "Oh, Miss Juneteenth, isn't that on Now TV?" And I was like, "Right." <laughs> <laughs> it's on. Yeah, it was on. It was on Sky Movies. Yeah, I know. it was on Sky Movies. It's on, it's on Sky. Ah. Yeah, it's on Sky Movies, and I was like, "Oh, I forgot about that one." <laughs> Uh, so so yeah it's i mean okay we've we've spoken on the podcast how i come from an area in nigeria well um my tribe is yoruba it's a section of the tribe that i come from i call the jabu and how it hurts us to spend money especially when we didn't (laughs) have to spend it (laughs) and and i'm just kind of like i didn't have to spend that money oh my god that four pounds is gonna mock me for the rest of my life (laughs) But, but yeah yeah Okay, so now we carry on. And Sharon, you have seen something called Penguin Bloom on Netflix. Yes, this is a new release on Netflix, uh, a film. It's, uh, I'm trying to, you'd probably categorize it as a feel good inspirational film, oh. but without any religious overtones. It's not about, there's no sort of faith element, but you know, it's sort of like that, it's sort of inspirational, true story type. Yeah. So basically, you start off seeing the story through the eyes of this young lad. His name is Noah Bloom. And on a family holiday to Thailand, his mum and dad and his two younger brothers are on holiday. And him and his mum go up to the top of this Thai tower um, just to look at the view. Yeah. And she falls through a fence. A rotten piece of wood basically gives way as she sort of leans on it. And she falls from a height and breaks her back. Um, she calls, and in the film it refers to it as her bra strap. So basically, the top yeah. T, six or seven or something. But yeah, and she becomes paralysed from that point on. And so we, you, this young lad sort of tells his story, and then as the story progresses, um, you see you meet them like a year later, where they're all trying to come to terms with the new way of life. You know. Dad, played by Andrew Lincoln, is desperately trying to keep things together, managing three small boys oh, who, yeah. who are sort of running riot, basically, and sort of like, it's sort of coastal Australia. I don't, right. I don't know the, the exact town, um, but they've all been a very active. They've been surfing. They go hiking. They spend a lot of time on the beach. They've always been like an activity-based family. They ran together. They jogged together. They did a lot together because they were this active outdoors family. And then suddenly mum is like lying in bed. And as time goes on, basically, whenever they feel poorly, it's like, dad, um, because, you know, mum is like, she's there, but. Yeah, but she, well, she can't do the anything. periphery of their lives. And they all begin to get to this point where they don't know quite where, what the future will hold for them. Because you know, she's giving in to sort of like depression and despair. And they're trying to move on, but they feel guilty that they can't move on because mum's not there so the whole family are finding it difficult and then one day on the beach this little boy finds an injured baby australian magpie and he takes it home and because it's black and white he decides to name it penguin mm. and then the story basically progresses without going into any more detail of how basically this sort of penguin this the little bird uh, becomes a catalyst for basically re-engaging their mum into their lives and into embracing the next part of her life. And mum is played by Naomi Watts. And there's a few sort of character Australian actors in there. And so basically it's like this, having to care for the bird and then caring for herself and then finding new opportunities. It's the sort of story of like rehabilitation for this, this lady who thought her life was over basically. And, this this little bird is a catalyst for her to think, well, actually, my life is different, uh, but it's not necessarily over. And the little boy, Noah, his name is, he's basically telling the story from his point of view because he was the one who was with his mum when he had she had the accident. Yeah. And a lot of part of where, how he feels is that, you know, 
was it his fault? And um, whenever there's a, this sort of catastrophic event in a family, then normally someone, everyone goes through that element of soul searching. You know, could I have done something different? Could we have done anything that would have changed the outcome of this, so, so of this event? It's, so, it's based on a book written yeah. by a guy called Cameron Bloom. You don't know whether it's based yeah. on a true story, do you? It is based on a true story, yeah. Cameron Bloom is the dad, and Sam Bloom is the lady who's paralysed. Oh, yeah. And one of the things that they, they seek to do for to help her rehabilitation, is, because she loves the water so much, is to see if she can do kayaking, because it's all about upper body and yeah. balance. Yeah. And so she starts kayaking, and um, that is, again, as another is one of the means that she they sort of seek to help her rehabilitate and to sort of embrace life as it is now, not as not regret what it once was, yeah, but to yeah. see, okay, there's, you've got a lot of living still to do. And so, yes, it's Cam, this Cameron Bloom is a photographer by trade, and so he basically captured this story through photographs and did a book about it. Yeah, and then yeah. that book became a film. All right. So, okay, with something like this, it it could it whenever you have like you know a sort of true life triumph over adversity it can go one of two ways it can either be sort of like you know schmaltzy to the egg where you where you don't care it's real anymore or it can actually be life-affirming what do you think how does this one go i think it steered the right side of it to be honest with you because a lot of these films they can be quite sickening and i think they either go down the whole line of oh you know cheer up it's not that bad (laughs) and and then you know, um, it can be, it cannot feel real. And you think people have to go through grieving process and that grieving process isn't quick. Yeah. I like with the bereavement. It can take years to get, get over a bereavement. Yeah. And she was, you know, she had lost something enormous. Yeah. What was a bereavement? Um, and so I think it recognised that someone who has this sort of catastrophic injury is not going to be Mrs. Perky from the day they get out of the hospital. And that it is, so they are going to be go through depression, anger, grief, they, because, you know, they, they've lost something. Yeah. But they won't get back. They just have a new way. And I think the way it showed the fact that there is anger, there's grief, there's regret, um, but there's still hope, was to me, was they, they, they steered it the right side of sentimentality. Because with the bird, especially with the baby bird, you're just thinking, oh, this is going to be... (laughs) It's like, oh my God, it's free willy with a bird. (laughs) It's going to be, I I don't know if I can bear it. But you know how it is when when I I get that, I call it like a Wednesday afternoon panic, where I'm thinking, I've got to watch something. (laughs) And so so I was scrolling and it was like it landed on the... I'm going to play the trailer whether you want me to or not sort of thing. I was like, I just watched that. I'll watch that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, um, to, to be honest with you, since, since we started doing the podcast, it has it has added to my list of Wednesday afternoon panics. <laughs> <laughs> like like where, where we have, okay, where we where we did have cinemas around before the lockdown hit. I know that oh, be, yeah, it was there, like, what's on tonight? <laughs> there'll be times there were times where you'd be sat down there on a Wednesday looking at the film, looking at the 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 film listings of the cinema going can i make a can does it do the time is work? the time is work. Oh, so if i go at two o'clock and i do this <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it has added to my wednesday wednesday afternoon panics so uh, so i think yeah i think um I'm, I'm, on that note i think that i am becoming i mean i'm finding myself as i say i'm watching sort of more documentary type things on youtube i'm watching a lot of sport i'm i'm not really i've not got that I don't think I've got that oomph to watch films. You know what yeah. I mean? It's just as a, a matter of fact, if you happen yeah, to yeah. be, like you said, you go, oh, you know, Wednesday comes along. And I think, you know, I'm not being, it's not like I, I want to see a film. Like when the cinemas are open, I'm like, oh, I can't wait for that to come out. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, that looks good. You know, and you see the trailers there and you think, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, I'm not really seeing any trailers. So I'm not becoming inspired. So I'm just... Yeah sort of practically watching stuff has come on but there's other stuff that's that's much more interesting than recently than the the films i've seen barring yeah. miss miss juneteenth you know yeah. the rest has been pretty much like oh you know we we will get onto one of those in a second but yeah. first yeah. sharon <laughs> sharon yeah. uh, scores i would give it a high three because i thought the acting was all very well done you know it steered clear of sentimentality i think because I think that sort of 
type of film is in some ways limited by its you it can't yeah. help but have yeah. a certain formula so i think that stops it from being truly outstanding but to me it for what it did what it was supposed to do it told a real story with sympathy and with um a delicacy of touch but it doesn't sort of lay it on too hard too thick yeah so yeah i i would rate it um but to me it sort of stops it from you know from being great to being yeah. good so i'd say it was it was a good a good film so i would give it a high three yeah I, I i hear you it's a bit like when you have uh like i think when we, when we were talking about uh what was it called oh i can't remember the name of the film now um but it was with it had jamie jamie fox it had jamie fox and um michael b jordan in it uh just mercy that was it just mercy just mercy yes, yeah yeah i remember talking about that it's like when you talk about a courtroom drama about a black man who has possibly been like you know a, a true life story about a black man who was falsely accused there, there's a miscarriage of justice yeah yeah mm -hmm. it's one of those things where i remember looking at going there's only so good this film can be <laughs> there's only so good yeah. it, it, it can't really be outstanding but there's only so good this film could be and um all right, so now, sure, we're going to go to one of these other these films that have that have failed to inspire you. Um, one called Fractured, not starring Nick Cage. This is the one that Dan 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 made sure you remember that you'd watch, so <laughs> yeah, you would yeah. talk about it on the podcast. And he, as he we did. know, as you know, Dan listens to everything, and Dan likes everything on Facebook, so we better talk about it. We better talk about it, yeah, because that was it. Because like I said, when I said I come in, like you said, oh, you told me to remind you about Fractured. I'm so I'm so glad you did, Dan. <laughs> Those, you're a star. I've got something, and then from that, I remembered. Oh yeah, and that Dire Nick Cage movie, and I was like, Ah oh, yeah, Dan, good, good man, good man. So yeah, all right. So fractured. So I, so, so we watched this. It was just, and um, so the story basically, this, this, this. Uh, there's a couple when they've got a daughter in the car and they're driving away from a Thanksgiving thing, and they're rowing a little bit. They're not getting on the the the, the husband and wife. Yep. And they they pull over at a garage. And there's a bit of an accident, and the the little girl uh, fractures her arm. So they're going to rush. The, they say, "Oh, we should get to the hospital." And they go, "No, no, no! I've still saw a hospital down the road. Let's take." So they go to this hospital down the road. Uh, this always this sounds great. It sounds like yeah, this sounds great. So the hospital <laughs> down the road. They go in there. It's just um, I, I, I just there's a little bit. He, he happens he happens to look over and he sees he just sees uh, in an ambulance like um organs organ you know organ live organs part so like that and he watches it anyway he goes in he tries to get himself he gets a bit bit shirty with the receptionist says oh you know I need, my daughter needs to see someone and then he has to do all the forms and and the nurse asks him she's on the computer she says oh um would your daughter be an organ donor and all that and he's like what 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 anyway they just, so <laughs> it goes for all that um anyway Hello. Hello, 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 hello. Yeah, can, can you can you say descendants of Norman Bates? <laughs> and and so it's like, oh, you know. Anyway, so the thing comes up. They go, oh yeah, we've given an X-ray, CAT scan. It's fractured. You're gonna have to go down. But you you know, it's just the mother can the mother and the daughter can go down. The daughter's in a wheelchair. They said, oh, we're really sorry, but because of you know certain conditions and all that. So he goes, okay, I'll, I'll wait. So and then then obviously, so he goes in the waiting room and and he sort of wakes up. And the things have changed, and there's no no trace of his his, his wife and his daughter. Yeah, so, you know, it's like a. Bit but of there's a an ambulance pulling out with, you know. Well, that yeah yeah that was sort of before, <laughs> which is you can understand from this film. Uh, now thinking back on it, you can understand why, why that why why the whole film went the way it did. Okay. Um, so, I, I I don't really it's it's quite interesting. So I don't want to give away any um, but obviously he's trying to do this thing, and they say. The doctors are really funny with him, and then he, he he sees people going in wheelchairs into this lift. So he's like tries to disguise himself and get into the lift to see what's going on. The police turn up, and there's um they say okay, well let's go through the thing, let's go and see. So yeah, um it was pretty standard fare. Um, should we? Oh, I, I, and I'm not going to give away any spoilers. So it was quite. You thought, oh yeah, I know where this is going. I know where this is going. I know where this is going. And then it doesn't go that way, and then it doesn't oh. go that way, and oh. then it doesn't go that way. So it's quite. It's sort of. There's a couple of little little, should we say, diversions in there, which is like, all oh, right, okay, then. So maybe, maybe this is, you know, maybe this is, and then it's like, all oh, right, okay, and then, so and and I mean, it's, it's probably worth worth watching till the end because it does get. I mean, it's pretty standard fare for. This is one of those films that 
it's like oh yeah 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 for the first half and actually gets a little bit better in the in the latter half okay normally it goes the other way with me so okay Okay. yeah that's good good because it's it's the lead is played by sam worthington yeah who is who okay yeah i mean who <laughs> uh, I, it's one of the things where I, I'm trying not to be mean, but I'm trying not to be mean. But 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 but, but essentially, when I see some Worthington in a film now, Avatar. It's, yeah, it, it's not it's not a guarantee of a good time. Let me put it that way. <laughs> no, well, he sort of burst onto the scene, and he was sort of everywhere, wasn't he? He was, you know, yeah, for for, for like there was, a, there was like a uh, there Clash was a, of the Titans. There was like a three year period where it was Avatar, Clash of the Titans. Uh, Wrath of the Titans, I mean, there was Terminator Salvation, and he was like, you know, flavor of the month. And then it just seemed to be like, <laughs> uh, people going, actually, I'm, I'm not sure he has anything else to offer. <laughs> and, well, that's me personally going, I'm like, I'm not sure he has anything. Like, I don't think I've seen a film where I've seen him going, oh my God, it's amazing, you've got to see it, it's got some worth it in it. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen a film like that. So it's um, so yeah, but but the fact that you said that it it twists and turns, I mean, it doesn't always do what you expect it to do. Just giving this a couple more points, a couple more points. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You've sort of elevated it slightly from that thinking, oh, I know where this is going. Yeah, but to thinking, oh, yeah. actually, well, fractured on Netflix. Yeah, fractured on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so it's uh, yeah. I mean, it was it was you sort of thought. Yeah, it's going this way. No, it's going that way. Then it's going that way, and then oh yeah, maybe it is going that. Way. So yeah, so it is. It's quite um, as I say, it's a it's a film with two halves, pretty standard fare, and then, and so yeah. So, so it, it, there's a few there's a few silly moments in it when he's he's trying to get into the elevator and sort of, you know, having having a bit of a shenanigans with some of the the doctors and the guards and being a bit threatening to some of the doctors and that. But you know, um, that's that, apart from that, it is it's it's. It's an okay movie. It's an okay movie, and I will have to say I'll probably give this a low three. A low okay. three. A low three. A low three. Uh, that's pretty much my standard rating for Sam Worthington. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. Okay, we're gonna move on. We're gonna move on. All right, now, so that is all we need to talk about. All we had to talk about. All we we're gonna review. But before we go, before we end up, in the week in which Netflix have announced that Bridgerton is their biggest hit. Mm. ever like Bridgerton has been uh, it, I think they've had they they it has 82 million individual views now whether how Netflix say to count it as an individual view it means that somebody has to have watched it for two minutes without breaking off so people have watched two minutes of 82 million people have watched two minutes of Bridgerton <laughs> that's what we did and I know Sharon you you um uh reviewed it the other week but I caught up with it and I actually watched the whole thing yeah because my wife was like, oh, yeah, let's watch this. And so we started watching it. And <laughs> it's funny because I know you, you said we, we use all sorts, of, all sorts of terms about talking about Bridgerton. We said, oh, it's kind yeah. of like, you know, Jane Austen, like, bro, it's like Gossip Girl in Petticoats, all these different, all these different things. And you, yeah, t- you spoke it's historical fantasy. Yeah. 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 Historical fantasy. And uh, but I actually think it's I think it's really, really well plotted. I think the I think the I think it's really really well acted. I think the the set design and the costume designs are amazing, absolutely amazing. And I know you mentioned and one of the big things that people talk about with Bridgerton is the sex. Yeah, <laughs> is is the sex, and I know you because I remember watching it going. I, I think this is it's not particularly. I know you referred to it, you were not the only person who referred to it as raunchy. You're, yep. you're not the only person who referred to it to me as Roger. I remember watching it going, oh, that's this the is... books, though. It's one of the that's that, that are those are that well, that's the nature of the beast bees with that type of book. Well, yeah, with, it's yeah. just very unusual for it to be made into film, yeah, yeah. But but the thing about it is that the books are, from what I can understand, they're written more for like a yeah, sort of young adult audience. They were written 20 odd years ago, so they were written for the pre Kindle, so you get a lot of this sort of bodice ripper written now for like the Kindle audience, but this was written. 20 they're written like the end of the 90s early noughties so oh, 20 years ago before was it like the was it like the adult at the adult end of the mills and boone scale yeah they were like the sort of like the saucy ad bodice rippers bodice rippers who, that's who, what a great you want to read this sort of historical fiction and don't mind it being a bit saucy yeah, so but... it's aimed at i couldn't list off a whole list of sort of authors who 
specialise and made made a fortune from this. It's like the Historical Romantic Writers Association of America. There's there's lots of them out there. Uh, and Julia Quinn is definitely within that that field. <laughs> okay, because I okay, I have to admit, I actually quite like this. And but I, yeah. I, I really, really liked it. I thought it was a good show. I thought it was I thought it was a really, really good show. I would give it a four out of five. Uh, the the um but going back to the raunchiness of it, uh, first of all I was like, Well, that isn't that bad. But the one of the big ones is the length. The length of all of the scenes. <laughs> It, it, they just seem to go on forever. You're actually sitting out there going, oh, yeah, 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 not that bad. Oh, 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 we're getting another angle of the same thing. Oh, oh, that is some very realistic rutting that that guy's doing there, that the Duke is doing there. And and I have to say, it's a bit, it's a bit, um, it's a bit progressive in that you see more of his naked bum than anything else. In it. Yeah, yeah. You see more of his naked bum. There's a lot of buttocks in it. There's yeah. a lot of buttocks. There's... Normally, it's all um sort of nipples and sort of buz- and bosoms yeah. really in these characters. But this is this is written by women for women largely. So it's going to be all and, the male and the, torso and, and it's going to be male bums. Yeah, the TV show created by women and and yeah. For... What is it? What is it? Why do why do women like like bums? I mean, uh, it always fascinates me. I think well, I think uh, the what? difference between huh? It's because you can't really show willies on TV. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, no. Well, I, think, but, I was going to say, yeah, I think it's their way of being coy. It's like saying, you know, well, I, with, I mean, things like Fifty Shades, yeah. which I didn't think was was successful in that regard. But it was a bit like, you know, it's very coy. But it would like, well, I might show a little bit of butter. Yeah, so a woman well, is like all think... out there. It's like, come on. But yeah. the men, they're always a bit more coy about men's nudity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can understand. I can, I can see that. See, I always think that with, I mean, well, I don't, I don't know about look, look at the. No, oh, but I think I think that that, that that ladies <laughs> that that ladies or girls or, or women, they they focus on um, things so about themselves and about other people. This is uh, what yeah. I think anyway, most of the time. So they say, oh, nice eyes, nice hands, nice bum, nice this, nice yeah. that, nice the other. Whereas I think with with men, we see we like to see the whole picture. I don't know about you. Tom, oh no, I, I, I'm not or, sure. Or, I do. Or, do, do, or do you actually you actually pick out features then? Do you, I, I, you actually I, like? I, I have for me, been for me it's the whole whole thing. <laughs> no, no, okay, okay, and Sean, oh, Sean, because we are both like you know respectable, yeah, yeah, respectable, yeah, sure, honourable men. Yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah. never had a bad thought in our lives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're we're all about the whole package that like, you know comes, including especially especially the mind. However, yes, I have yes. been. <laughs> <laughs> however, I have been in the room in like you know at school and at different places. Heck, I was in one of them this morning on a, on a Zoom meeting where when all the women left, all the guys start talking and you do have people who talk about things like, oh yeah, nice rack or nice pair of whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, no, had a bum like a... Da-da. So no, you do have men who do focus on these things. Oh, right, okay. And 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 when it comes to... When you want to, when you want to come into sort of like some sort of film theory thing, there's this whole thing about the male gaze where usually when you watch a film and if you want to say oh this woman is attractive because it's a man who's filming her there's certain things that they focus on like you talk about things like the avengers poster the fact that people there was a big deal made of the fact that on the avengers poster for the first avengers movie the way like all of this or the way all of the superheroes like yeah they're they're all posing but for some reason you can see scarlett johansson's bum and it's actually quite prominent on the poster and it's like why are we seeing her (laughs) bum (laughs) toes toes you know you mentioned Robo Chicken. Yeah, yeah, Robo Chicken. No, you yeah. Robo Chicken. Yeah, right. You need to see, right, just on that point we're talking about, watch the Avengers special on Robo Chicken. Okay, cool. The Avengers Shishu, right, where they got they're all sorted together and it's like and and you've got Black Widow in it and yeah. all, all those others. So check that one out and, and what we're talking about there. Yeah. Quite funny, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> why, why, yeah. why do we keep why do we keep you anyway, yeah. yeah it so, does look, but I think so, we Things like Bridgerton, I think because it is written by a woman for women and you get the feeling that the television programme is very much made yeah, it, by it's, women it's... who are sort of, in, you know, the creative force behind it. Yeah, You've made Shonda things Rimes. that you don't normally see in historical drama because it is actually yeah, a, I, a feminine, I mean, feminist approach. Yeah, and, and Julia Quinn herself has actually said that she gives her characters, she gives her 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 female characters... Um, so feminist attitudes that they would not have had at that point in time. Yeah, and and so they would have been quite ruined in society if in, in that class. Yeah, had uh, they done half the things they would have done. Yeah, that, yeah, and and it's uh, and so but she's, that's why it's fantasy. Yeah. it's not. It isn't historical drama. It's it, fantasy, it is. It isn't. It isn't therefore historical accuracy. But I actually, I actually quite like that. Like for instance, the colorblind casting, which is something that she's done in all of her shows. 
like she's just she just puts different people in different places and there's one reference there's one reference to the fact that you have non-white people in high positions of power in the, there's one reference to it but then apart from that it's it's not mentioned again yeah because i think so, they just want to say you know what we'll get this out of the way so that you can stop thinking about it yeah <laughs> so i get i think it was quite good that they did actually address that because i think people have been thinking you don't because in the ballrooms it's like you wouldn't get yeah such a diverse sort of dance people dancing around because in, in the ballroom scenes it is more noticeable. it's united it colors is, of benetton it, it, Regency it's style. because it's completely sort of diverse. <laughs> you know, every nation in the world is sort of represented and culturally with some of the dresses. It's like, yeah. well, okay, you are embracing uh, the culture of the world, even though this is supposed to be quite a specific period of history. Yeah, well. and, and and personally, I'm all for that. I'm all for that. And yeah. I, I, David, I, David Copperfield. Yes, yeah, David yeah, the David Copperfield, Copperfield movie. So uh, I, the the. The, the thing I would say that is like, because I'm the kind of person where I always feel like, I, I never feel like nudity is called for in a story. I feel like you, there's ways of telling the story without having like blatant nudity. Um, but if you're going to have it, I'm like, if you're going to have it, then let's have it equal. If we're going to have, if we're going to have like, you know, the women standing there with no clothes on, let's have the men standing there with no clothes on. And I think the the fact that I, so I applaud the fact that they had for the second half the second half of this season, so there's eight episodes. I pretty much for the last four four episodes, you see a lot of the Duke's bum. You see, you yeah. see a lot of naked Duke, and, and yeah, like the honeymoon montage. Oh, the honeymoon was... montage. They essentially have a they have a whole episode that's pretty much the. Imagine if you had a castle, and it's pretty much this newly married couple just shagging in every single room in every single possible position and that's what the entire episode is i'm watching it going this this is different this is different and but i have to say it is probably one of the it's probably one of the most effective one of the most effective references or, or uses i've seen of linking love to sex and love to what you do it's probably one of the most effective things I have seen ever because the you know they keep showing all these long long scenes that seem to be shot in real time of how long it would take if people were actually having sex and they have all these long long scenes and I'm like why the heck are these scenes so long why the heck are these scenes so long what what, the, what are they doing and then the final scene that they show in the entire show I'm like oh that's why the scenes are so long that's kind of clever even though it's a bit harrowing <laughs> but so so yeah so anyway anyway i just how wanted did I just, you feel about i know we've already discussed this before but how, now that you've seen it how do you feel about the issue of consent because there's one particular scene that's quite controversial it was controversial in the books 20 years ago and i've seen discussion about it but there's an issue of consent but it isn't female consent it's male consent about one particular issue in the series does this have to do with miss thompson and colin Pridgerton? no this is about the Duke and his Duchess. Oh yes, yes, yes. That would see. Uh, well, I, I never thought, it's but it's quite controversial because they're saying because it's a man, it doesn't mean consent yeah, is any less. Yeah, it, it 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 doesn't. Yeah, but the, my my knee jerk reaction is well, he had it coming. Because because of what he, <laughs> what he did yeah. what he did what he did before that what he did okay I think essentially there's two characters in it the Duke and the Duchess who I think are there are bits where they act like teenagers and then it annoys the heck out of me because they don't talk to each other they just keep oh uh, mm, uh, and they don't say anything if they just spoke <sighs> if they just spoke things would have been sorted out but anyway on that note <laughs> if they just spoke to each other I think things would be sorted out but the way they did it I was like I, I, well, I think he had it coming <laughs> but, but, which might not be PC but I haven't really thought about it that much yet so um, anyway um, seeing as Sean is tired of us talking about body strippers <laughs> <laughs> yeah I always think I always think I was thinking some films for me and I mean I think I've had this conversation with you before Sean when Sometimes in films, they have like a, a, a sex scene and it's just really, really unnecessary. We know they're going to do it, but it just goes on too long, you yeah. know, and it's like, get back to the film. Why yeah. have you got to do that? Okay, forever enough, you're going to go and, you know, do things. But what, we know that. We do it. Just do it like that and then, then get back then on with the on. film. But they, they do seem to, in some films, have it like it's almost the, you know, yeah. the trope yeah. that... I think 
with where, where this is an adaptation of the book and in the books intimacy is just like a huge part of the books yeah right what their appeal has been for a long time so i think they've to sort of to acknowledge the fact that, that this sort of level of intimacy is 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 key to the yeah. is, is to the development right. of the books is yeah. why they've said you know what we couldn't adapt this book without having this level of intimacy sort of shown on screen because a lot of it is about intimacy <laughs> without actually becoming you know that close mentally and spiritually yeah. in some ways mm. it's like saying you can get physically close to someone but you may not know them very well and it's sort of it's about evolving sort of their relationships beyond it, just it, the physical it, the, the, the difference between love and lust because i think you can yeah, be yeah. i think as well as being in love you can you can be in love you can love someone or you can lust and think you're in love i think you can well, if you lust yeah. you know and think it's love but it's not it's just lust and, and, and <laughs> i think i think that this tv show does that handles that very well Oh, right okay i, okay. I think i think it, i think it actually handles that very well as much as i think that the scenes are graphic I look at them and go, but even though I might not, I might think the nudity is not needed or anything like that. I feel like they they used them well in this in, the, in telling the story. They had a point for them being there, and I think it's, it's like well, as I said, when it gets to the end, everything comes together. And also, I want to say one thing for an actress called Adwa Ando, who plays Lady Danbury. The woman yeah. is regal. She is absolutely <laughs> regal. Oh my god, she's she's like she's kind of like you know when you have someone who comes into a TV show and just eats up everything, the entire scenery, yeah, yeah. in every single scene that they're in. She's like Lady Bracknell in the importance of being earnest. She is brilliant. I've seen her. I've seen her for years in a whole bunch of things from Doctor Who to all that kind of stuff. And uh, uh, Adra Ando, brilliant. Anyway, on that note. I think we're gonna we're gonna stop because I could talk for years. I could talk for ages. There's some of the lines in this thing that I love and I would love to dissect. <laughs> like like a young girl going, "Oh my god, you can get pregnant without being married," and pretty much I can get I can get pregnant. I've got stuff to do. <laughs> Which was it's like one of my lines. One of my lines today. But anyway, it's a goodbye from me. It's a goodbye for me. And it's a goodbye from me. We will see you guys next week when God knows what we'll be talking about. We don't know what we'll be talking about. <laughs>